Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. So good to see you guys. Glad you're in church today. I want to welcome those of you joining us in the Northeast and, of course, our family online. So glad that you are with us. Um, if you're new, I am not Pastor Joey. I'm the other bald, bearded guy at our church. But, you know, representing the bald man. You know, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but my name is Matt. I'm the location pastor here in the Northeast. And yeah, if you didn't know, we are one church in five locations, also our online community as well. And typically on a Sunday, Pastor Joey, he's our lead pastor. He's preaching. He's bringing the word here in the Northeast. We have the privilege of being the broadcast location. So what happens here is streamed to all of our locations. So Northeast, we get to carry the culture and set a tone for every location of our church across the city. And so uh, Pastor Joe will be back, but uh, my job as location pastor is to care for you guys. It's to know the people, it's to lead our teams, it's to lead this location. And so, but the reason we do this is so that we can have one church in multiple locations. By Pastor Joey being the one to bring the word, it allows us to be unified, but have individual communities all throughout the city. So that's a little of the why, and that's part of the reason I'm preaching today. Um, Couple of things I wanna put on our radar before we kind of dive into the word today. Everybody say December 11th. December 11th. That is Celebration Sunday. I hope you've marked your calendars, you plan to be there. It's gonna be a very special day. Um, we've been in the middle of a uh, campaign called Here to Stay where we're raising funds to plant ourselves in this city, let our city know when many are leaving, we're not going anywhere. We're building, we're buying buildings, we're locking down. We are gonna be a part of the solution in our community. And on Celebration Sunday, we're gonna be celebrating what total commitments have come in all what God has done and what he's gonna continue to do through this series. So if you've not yet turned in a commitment card, I'd encourage you to do so. So your number can be a part of what we celebrate on that day. We're also gonna be celebrating life change that day because we have people signed up to be baptized on the 11th. Come on, it's going to be a party. Fun elements all throughout. If you wanna sign up to be baptized, you can do so on our website or go to our next steps table, but it's going to be a very, very special day. Mark your calendars, you do not want to miss it. Now, as I dive in, as you guys know, we're in this series called Joy, and we've had a joy moment every single week so far, and we're going to have our next joy moment right now, and every one of you are going to be involved. I want everybody to bust out your phone right now. Take out your phone. Those of you online, take out your phone, and what we're going to do right now is we're going to spread joy from our seat by texting somebody something encouraging, letting them know how thankful we are. And in fact, I'm going to make it easy for you, putting a script on the screen for you, and thank God for technology. You can scan it with your phone, do a copy and paste, and text somebody right now. But in the spirit of Thanksgiving, let's let people know how thankful we are for them. Let's spread joy even now. Many of you have been texting for years. This is what you've trained for. You have 23 seconds left. Let's see how fast you can type this out. <laughs> Think about it. Who would this be meaningful to? Who would this impact? You got 10 more seconds. My guess is Gen Z finished way earlier. Come on, millennials, we gotta catch up. There we go, and that's it. 
If you didn't finish it, that's okay, but let's make sure we send that text. Let's spread joy to those in our community. Think of how far um, a text like that can go. Now, as I dive in, um, there's been some things robbing me of joy as of late. Um, so how many, do we have any parents in the room? Any parents in here? Just a couple? It's <laughs> a hand wave. That's, it wasn't a cheer, it was yes. I carry this with you. Here's the thing, I love being a dad. It's literally the best thing ever. And I'm the dad of two incredible little boys, Beckett and Sam. Um, they're just the joy of my life. But um, this past couple of weeks have been very trying for me um, because you remember how like during the pandemic, every sickness was COVID? Like it didn't matter what you actually had, every sickness was COVID. It's like, you got COVID, you better stay home. I hope you're sniffling, COVID. Well. <laughs> All the diseases that existed then that got put on the back burner, they've made their resurgence since we've exited the pandemic. They all decided to hit my house. So my oldest, he ended up getting RSV. Yeah, and which is just horrible. He's hacking up along, but because we teach sharing in our home, he decided to share it with his brother. And so now then his brother got RSV as well. And he was like, you know what? I'm gonna up to Annie. So he got an ear infection on top of it. So we're like, oh my goodness. So we take him to the doctor, we get the antibiotics, we get all the things. And we're like, all right, cool. The sickness is coming down. Well, then my oldest gets food poisoning in the worst way. Like we're about to take him to school and thank God the horrible moment happened at home before we were in the car. And so we're like, all right, well, we got to nurse him through this. And we finally think we do. We think he's better. And then I notice his eye is a little pink and he's scratching it. And so pink eye hit my house. And so I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Well, guys, we finally, I think, nursed him through all of it. And there's no sicknesses in my home right now. And there's one thing parenting has taught me is that it is not about me, right? It ain't about me. And how convenient, that's the title of my talk today. It ain't about me. I like that or not, my, the nod to my Southern roots with the ain't in there. I, I like that. But that's what we're talking about. As we continue this series about joy, we're gonna talk around the idea that it is not about me. We've been diving in the book of Philippians and just kind of going verse by verse as Paul really describes to us how one lives a joy-filled life. And we're gonna dive into the word at chapter two, verse one. Uh, we're gonna read through verse 18, but let's start with verse one through four. It says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you, the interests of others. In other words, Paul's painting a big picture of what it, we as Christians are called to live like, and he's addressing the church specifically. And what he's giving us here in these passages are principles for how to walk in joy, but the principles are rooted in how we treat others and how we serve others. And what he's telling us is, is if we want to experience joy, we need to meet the needs and help those around you. We got to help people around us. What's funny about this is that that's literally the premise of, I think, every Christmas movie I've ever seen. 
Literally, you think of every Christmas movie, it's always like, I want to get stuff, I want to get stuff. But you find real joy when you give to others. And we believe that for our week. And then we go back to our day-to-day for the rest of the year, right? But the thing is, that's biblical. If we want to experience joy, we need to love others. If Christ is in you, if, the love, if his love has changed you, if the Holy Spirit is working in you, then we need to care about others. How do we do that? Well, the first step is we need to be like-minded. We need to have the same love and spirit. Now, when I say like-minded, I'm not saying we need to agree on everything because that's honestly impossible. But as Christians, we should hold unwaveringly to specific things. For instance, Jesus is Lord. He came, he died, he rose again. He is our path to salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The authority of scripture that we should, you know, treat others fairly. These are things we should not waver from or disagree on. But there are things in the church that we can disagree on. For instance, worship styles, genres of music, right? Whether or not we choose to let our kids trick or treat or not. These are things that we can have conversations around and disagree on, but they're not crucial elements of our faith that are make or breaks, right? But to be unified in one mind means we hold unwaveringly to what's important and we hold with an open hand the things that are not. Before I was uh, up here in Philadelphia, I, I lived in Oklahoma for a season. God called me as a Texan to be a missionary in Oklahoma. <sighs> if you don't know, Texans don't generally like Oklahoma. But anyway, so I was there. And what was cool is I got to be a youth pastor in a very small town. Now, I say I'm from Texas, so people immediately look at me and think, well, howdy, y'all. Well, that's not me. I've never had a cowboy hat. Like, I'm not, I don't listen to country music. I, I don't, the only, the only boots I've got are Uggs. Like, I'm, a, I'm trying to keep my feet cozy. I'm not trying to work on a ranch. Like, I'm not a country guy. No shame to those that are. It's just not what I am. And so it was very odd to me when God called me to be a part of this church that is in the country. I was a youth pastor at a very small church uh, in Winniewood, Oklahoma. If you've heard of that town, you probably watched the Tiger King because all that was happening in that town. Had no idea while I was there, by the way. Anyways, so I'm a youth pastor at this small church. And as a youth pastor, you know, I'm trying to learn what my students are into and that. And I remember the girl that all the boys were crushing on in the youth group. She had to miss youth group a couple of times because she had to go show her pigs. I had to learn what that meant. I was like, what do you mean show a pig? You have a pig? Yeah, like they had like competitions and stuff. And here's the thing. That was the culture of the area I was in. It would have been very foolish of me to come in with my preferences, with my Ugg boots on and all of my desires and saying, this is how we should do things here. Because the reality is God was doing something special in that place, in that culture, in that time. And so what I had to learn was, what is my goal in this town? My goal is to see students come to know Jesus. And so I had to learn the students and learn what worked, what connected with those people around me. I had to learn how to love on these students and where they're at in this town, which means my preferences no longer mattered to me because my preferences went out the door because I cared about the mission. Because what I had to understand is that even if it wasn't my preferred environment, God had placed me there on purpose with a mission in mind and it was my job to steward that. We may find ourselves in a place or an area that's not our preferred environment, but what we need to understand is God has planted us there for a reason. What's the priority? What's the why there? When your mind is focused on the mission, when the mind is focused on how can I reach people for Jesus, suddenly our preferences matter less because the goal is see people come to know Jesus. What is the purpose of why God has planted us there in this season? If we are going to care about others, it's being like-minded of one spirit, 
because we needed to see people come to know Jesus. We wanted to see people grow in their relationship with Christ. Everything else falls by the wayside because that's the priority. That's how we be like-minded. We don't have to agree on music style. We don't have to agree about these other things. We need to be focused on the right thing. So be like-minded. That's the first thing. The next thing is do nothing out of selfish ambition. We have to value others above ourselves. In other words, we can't be the focal point of every decision that we make. What do I get out of this? What's the benefit for me? That can't be our primary focal point if we wanna experience joy. So how do we do that? How do we actually help those around us? Well, the first one's really easy. It costs zero dollars and zero gas in your car to stop and pray for somebody, to stop and pray for people in your life. And I don't mean guys praying for that girl that you hope, you know, will actually go on a date with you. I mean, stopping to pray for the people in your life, even those that you disagree with, even those that frustrate you, even those that are burdening to you. If we stop and pray, if we're gonna pray for our neighbor, that means we need to actually know what's going on in our neighbor's life. So if our mindset is going, I'm going to pray for others in my life, I'm gonna be intentional to pray for people in my life, suddenly our focus is not on ourselves because now we have to learn what's going on in the lives of others. And as we pray for people and then we start seeing God answer prayers in their lives, our hearts are being softened and are getting the perspective of our heavenly father who loves them just as much as he loves you. When we pray for others, our heart shifts. If we make it a point to do so, that is how our heart aligns with the father. And it's a way for us to start caring about others. The next thing is evaluate the things of our life and find out if caring for others is a factor in any of it. One of those things being time. Is, do you, does, does your time, is any of your time taken with helping people around you, with serving the elderly, helping people that are in need, you know, helping your neighbors out? It's also worth looking financially. Have we budgeted with a plan to be generous? I'm not talking about having some cash in your pocket that you throw out when you get a chance. I mean going, is it a part of my budget to where I'm ready to meet a need if that happens? If my best friend tells me that they're about to get evicted, I have something on hand that I've been ready to give to help them out. I'm ready to invest in something that's gonna make a change. Is that a part of our decision-making? Is caring for others a factor in how we plan? What about serving in general at church? Are you on a team? Are you meeting a need and utilizing your time and considering your experience in church as a means to help others? There's plenty of opportunity. There's needs on our kids' team, on our broadcast team, set up terror. There's opportunities here. Are you on a team and investing in the very thing you get to experience here on a Sunday? This is how we can help others. Paul is giving us practical ways to be selfless and bless others in this passage. And this is the thing we have to challenge ourselves as Christians. Are we doing these things? Is helping others a factor in our decision-making? And these next couple of verses, really the rest of Philippians hinges on this. Let's pick up in verse five. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Pause. This means Everything following this statement is defining how to be of the same mindset of Jesus. Because if in our relationship with one another, we need to have the same mindset of Jesus, everything that follows dictates what that means. So let's pick it back up. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. What blows my mind about this is that we see that 
if Jesus is God, then he's owed everything, right? He created everything. We were created for his glory. He is owed the world. And yet he chose to come to earth in the most humble of circumstances. If I created everything, if I'm God and I decide to come to earth, I'm coming in like guns a blazing, riding a horse, spitting fire, guitar solo behind me. I mean, really, I mean, if you're God, you're owed everything. You should be able to do whatever you want. But instead, he models coming to this earth in the most humble of context. He came as a frail human baby, born in a small town, in a barn. There is not a more humble circumstance because he's showing us, he's modeling to us how to have a mindset, how to live. If the creator of the universe that's owed everything, that's owed all things, he deserves all glory, all praise, we've been created for him, is willing to become as vulnerable as us, come in the most humble of contexts. Why? Just to save us from our own mistakes? That's mind-blowing. So if we are saying, I'm a Christ follower, this is the mindset we have to take on. Because he did not use the fact that he was God to his advantage, but rather came to serve and serve others. This is the definition of sacrifice. This is what sacrifice looks like to a T. Jesus models sacrifice, and then from the sacrifice, he shows us servanthood. He sacrifices everything he's owed to serve us. And then he models what it means to be a servant. Let's look at this passage one more time. Uh, in verses eight, actually, before I go to that verse, let, let me unpack this for a moment on what servanthood looks like. If he is the master and he chose to serve, he is doing the exact opposite of how we would intuit being of responsibility would have, right? Or being of influence would have. He's showing us that even though he's owed it, he's willing to serve those below him. This past summer, I, um, my wife and I, we were trying to decide what we wanted to do for vacation. And the thing that we entertained the most was going on a cruise. We didn't go, but we looked at a lot of pamphlets. Like, <laughs> like we, were, we did the research, we were looking at the websites and stuff. And I still love the idea of a cruise. I think it looks great. It's like a giant city on the ocean. Like it's a massive, massive boat. And the amount of things you can do on a cruise is mind blowing to me. You can play basketball, you can go to a comedy show, you can go to a concert. Or you can go swimming, not in the ocean, but in the boat. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you can do all sorts of things. And really when you're on the cruise, it's like, what can you do for me? And I like it because you pay up front. So you don't have to budget while on the cruise. You just enjoy it. You're like, I expect my dinner now, please. At 3 p.m., I'll have second dinner later. I, 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 it's like, that sounds amazing. Everybody's waiting on you. They're making your bed for you. It sounds uh, incredible. The thing that also is like, have you seen like the surfing simulators they have on there? It's like a fake wave. Can you imagine being God looking down on us with this? We're out here surfing on a wave on the ocean, but not in the ocean where the waves are. <laughs> It's the most redundant thing that we're doing in the world, right? But it's fun, right? It looks incredible. It's relaxing. And at the end of the day, you're pampered, right? Well, the thing is, I think a lot of times we get tempted into thinking this life is a cruise ship. 
And where we get mad at others, get mad at leadership, get mad at those around us is because we're like, you're not bringing me the service that I expected on this cruise ship because the mindset is, what are you gonna do for me? How is this job gonna benefit me? How is this friendship gonna benefit me? And as soon as I don't get what I want out of it, I'm gonna go try something else. But the truth is we're not on a cruise ship. We're on the Titanic. This boat is sinking. And if I'm going, oh my goodness, this boat is sinking. I'm not going, is there a mimosa in my hand? I'm going, does this kid have a life jacket? The mindset and perspective is entirely different. And the thing is, Christians, we need to understand that this life is the Titanic. This boat is sinking, but praise God, we have the best news in the world that Jesus has given us a way out. We're not doomed to the fate of this boat anymore. But sometimes Christians will get so caught up in arguing about the color of our life vests while there are people below deck that don't even know the boat's sinking. If our mindset is focused on what is most important, suddenly our preferences don't matter. How we make life decisions changes because we have a heavenly perspective. We have a heavenly mindset. And I'm looking at my neighbor, not as going, you're blocking the sunlight from my tan. I'm going, do you know the boat's going down? Do you know there's a way out and that you don't have to be doomed to this? Christian, that is the mindset that we have to have. It's that mission mindset. How can I change the lives of others? How can God use me to reach my community? This mission of revive every block, that's not the church's responsibility. That's the church's responsibility. Every one of us have to carry that. And the truth is, if we wanna experience joy, it's carrying that mindset. There's joy when we see somebody go from death to life. There's joy when we see how God provides in a way that only he can. There's joy when we see how a broken person like us gets to be used by a perfect God to help the lives of others. That's the way God designed us. And so if we wanna experience joy, we have to take on the same mindset of Christ of being a servant, looking to serve those around us. Jesus takes it even, a step even further with this servanthood in verse eight. It says, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death. He was obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross, which is torture, we see the cross all the time. It's a part of our imagery. The cross is torture. Jesus was obedient to the very, very end in the worst possible way. Therefore, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus shows us not just servanthood, but he shows us submission, this is the definition of obedience because realize before Jesus came to earth, he had to be submitted to the will of the father to come to earth to begin with. And then in doing so is absolutely obedient to the very, very end. But it's through that obedience that every one of us have the opportunity to experience his love at all. Because Jesus was submitted to the will of the father that dictated everything. 
It's suddenly easier to serve others when I'm submitted to the will of the Father. It's easier to do these things that feel so contrary to our nature when we're submitted to the will of the Father, when we're submitted to those he's put over us, when we're submitted to scripture, when we're submitted to how he tells us how to live. All things follow that point of submission. What we have to ask ourselves is, how much am I willing to submit to the will of God? Am I willing to lay down everything for the will of the Father? A lot of times we'll come and we'll be like, yes, God, I submit myself to you, except my relationships. God, I will do everything you ask of me. I'll do everything as long as I don't have to pay for anything, as long as my wallet doesn't get touched. Or, uh, God, I, I submit to you all of me except for my sexuality. That's, that's my decision. That's my life. Or, God, I submit to you everything except for this particular pet sin I have or, or my career. I will do everything as long as it doesn't infringe on my goals and my career. If we are calling ourselves a Christ follower, we have to be like-minded with Christ and be willing to submit everything. Is there something that we won't say yes to that he's calling us to? Is there something we won't say no to that he's calling us to? If we are to walk with Christ and have that same like-mindedness, all of us has to be submitted to the Father. And we see this in Jesus. And the beautiful thing is, you see the beautiful redemption. Christ raises from the dead. He, he paves the way for all of us to have relationship with him. And he does it through this process so we can know, we can trust. When we submit all things to God and we walk in the way he's designed us, we experience redemption. We experience fullness. We experience being walking in the way he designed us to walk. Because what everybody in here needs to know is you have been designed and created for a purpose. There is not an accident in this room. And somebody in here needs to hear that. You are not an accident in this room. In fact, scripture says you are his masterpiece. God has crafted you. He knows every part of you. And the beautiful thing, his love that he gives us is a gift, meaning you don't earn it. You also can't lose it. He offers it to us. And when we're submitted to him, he makes us new. He restores us. He does infinitely more through us than we ever could on our own. But we have to submit. Many of us perhaps have taken that step of submitting our lives, but we haven't taken the step of living that life in submission. We have to walk through it. It can't be just a singular moment that's being given the gift of salvation. But the process after that is regularly walking with the Lord, living the way he's designed us. Because if we were designed, it makes sense that the way we experience the most fullness is being living in the manner of which we were designed to live. Some of us get so hot, caught up and feel so empty and feel so shallow because we're not living in the way we were designed to live. We're living for the things of this earth, hoping it brings fulfillment. We're living for relationships. We're living for things. We're living for accolades. We're living for influence. And those aren't the things to live for. Those things aren't bad, but if they are your end game, you're not functioning how you were designed. We were all designed to bring God glory. We were designed to bring our Savior glory. So if he is not the forefront, the top of our tier of importance in our lives, we will not experience fulfillment and that will rob us of joy. If we wanna experience joy, we have to surrender all to him. Verse 12 
carries on and says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill, to fulfill his good purpose. You know, I feel like in life, I love the idea of having a really, really big house. I would love like a mansion. I'm in a row home in Philly, man. So like, I don't mean just a really tall, skinny house. I mean a house with like room, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would love the idea of having a mansion, but I can't afford a mansion. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't buy one. That's not something I can do. Well, what we need to understand is that salvation, we also can't afford we can't afford to buy our salvation. There's no amount of good things you can do to earn God's favor or to earn God's forgiveness. You cannot earn that in the same way because here's the thing, it's a gift given to us. Salvation is a gift given to us. It's like being handed this huge mansion, right? But now it's our job to steward that mansion. If we are calling ourselves Christ followers, we have accepted this gift, this mansion of salvation. But if we keep living in the way of this world, we live for ourselves, we're essentially telling God, I'm gonna fill this mansion with garbage. I'm gonna fill this mansion, this gift you've given me with nonsense, with things that tear it down. When in reality, God gave us this mansion to serve the kingdom. Are we decorating it? Are we filling it with things of the kingdom, with the fruit of the spirit, with loving others? If God has given us the gift of salvation, we have to utilize this gift to bless the world because he created us. He gave us a way out. He gave us freedom. We're not a slave to our ways anymore. So we do good works from salvation, not to get salvation. We do good works because of the giver of gifts. We wanna bring glory to the giver of this gift of salvation. So for all of us, if we have surrendered our lives to Christ, our thought then has to be, how do I steward what he's given me? Am I living exactly the same? Or am I living in a manner that would bring God glory, the one who gave me this gift of salvation? The whole chapter and the whole book has been Paul talking about how to look like Jesus, to love, to sacrifice, to have unity. Working out our salvation is working out what God has worked in. We fill our mansion to make it a home. This is what working out your salvation means. It means what would Jesus do? It means to live out what Jesus did in you. And again, the mansion is a metaphor, but we need to understand that if we have been given this gift, we wanna steward it well. We don't hoard it to ourselves. We wanna share this with the world because it was a gift, which also means if you've wandered from Christ, if you've made a mistake, if you've filled your mansion with garbage, with bad experiences in life, the mansion's still a gift to you. His love is not forsaken. He's, he's not gonna take it away from you. His love is here for you. He's calling you home. If you are a Christ follower, you made mistakes, there's no amount of bad things you can do to unearn his love because it was given to you freely. And so in the same way, if you've wandered away, don't give yourself so much credit to think that you can take away God's love from you because he gives it to you freely. And it's in that same sense that we wanna share this absolutely with the world. Verse 14 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. I just need to like chew on that verse by itself for a while. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Like it might be my next tattoo. Like that, that's convicting. <laughs> everything. That means 
interactions with your spouse. That means going to work. That means when you don't like the sermon series. That means everything. When the arrival time feels early. When you're staying later than you thought you would. When the pastor keeps talking about the same point for really long. That means do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice to me with me, excuse me. Paul's writing to the church here. He's writing to each and every one of us. And he's telling us that if we want to experience this joy, if we want to experience this life, we have to walk in these principles and carry this mindset. That means it's all about unity. Let's get on the same page here. What is the most important thing? Suddenly when I'm looking at people and my mindset is they are my brother or sister in Christ, I care less about the petty form of the fight. If somebody's bothering me, I suddenly care more about what's damaging the relationship than I do about how I feel in the moment. I care about restoration more. When we have a heavenly mindset, when I choose to be unified because we're doing this, I suddenly care that we don't agree about all the same things. All the other things become so much less important because it's not about me anymore. And you know what's amazing? There's freedom when it's not about you. I see so many people, I have so many friends that don't know Jesus that are walking in bondage because their whole life is about them. And they keep finding that they let themselves down regularly. They keep finding that everything else that they're trying to find that fulfills them lets them down. And Christians, sometimes we get trapped into the same mindset. We fall into the same thing of, I didn't like this particular thing, so I'm gonna do my own thing. Or I didn't like that. Or they looked at me weird. Or, hey, I think they are weird. Whatever it is that we have, and we let these little things prevent us from understanding why we're here to begin with. We're on a boat that's going down. And so if I disagree with the church across the way, but they're still preaching the gospel and reaching people in a way differently, great, I'm cheering them on. If you don't like our church, fine. Find a church where you're gonna grow to be all it is that God has called you to be. It's not about me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about what I think I can do because I'm thinking about the things that I can do. I wanna bring glory to the one that created me. I wanna bring glory to the God because I know that my life is short here and there are people coming after me but God has woven into time a redemptive story that I get to be a part of I'm very aware of every flaw that I have in fact there are many that I'm not aware of and that God is and even in spite of those flaws God chooses to forgive chooses to love endlessly and use us to reach other people when that is our focal point we experience joy because in that way, we're functioning as Christ has designed us to be. And it's not like he's asking us to do something he hasn't done himself. When we look at the life of Jesus, it's about submission. It's about obedience. Again, he's the God of the universe and he submitted. He was obedient even when it cost him everything. It means 
serving others as if your life were a drink offering ready to be poured out. Because again, it's not about this life. It's not about me. It's about what God is doing through me. I live for his glory. I live for his purposes. And it's in that there's endless joy because you also have hope and life beyond this one. You know that there's, this is not all there is. You don't feel hopeless when you watch the news because you know there's a redemptive story that God's working out. You know the end game. You're not tethered to the things of this world. Your faith isn't in a political party. Your faith isn't in a system. Your faith isn't in people. Your faith is in the perfect God and Savior that's had a plan from the very beginning. The God that thinks outside of our scope of time. What Jesus did was fulfilling a prophecy said 400 years Years prior, God is outside of our time. He has a plan outside of it. We have to have the perspective and understanding of, I want to come alongside God who is bigger than me. And if he created me, I want to live in the manner he created me to live. Will you stand all over this room? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you, have you taken that step of submission? Because everything I'm saying is entirely contrary to your human nature. Everything I'm saying makes zero sense outside of a relationship with our Savior. Because our human nature tells us to fight for ourselves. And maybe you're in here and you've been trying to save yourself for a long time. Maybe you've believed the lie of religion that if you do enough good things, it'll outdo the bad things. And you keep letting yourself down because you keep making mistakes. Or maybe you've been just trying to find fulfillment in your career or in relationships or in things of this earth and you keep falling flat. Well, I want you to know there is a God that loves you, that created you, that sees you in spite of every mistake that you've made and his grace and forgiveness is offered to you freely, even now in this moment. If that's you today, if you're saying, I need to give my life to Jesus, I need to begin this journey, or maybe you did long ago and you've walked away and you know that right now, it's time to get right with the Lord. It's time to re-begin this relationship. If that's you all over this place, I want you to wave at me. Wave at me right now. If you're saying yes, I see you right back there, my friend. I see you right here. Our prayer team's coming. Anybody else, I see you right over here. I see you right up here in the front as well. Prayer team, let's move. Keep, keep your hand up until someone can come to you. We wanna give you a gift. If you're watching online and you're making that decision, put a hand emoji in the chat. We wanna pray for you. Anybody else, if you're saying, yes, I wanna give my life to Jesus or I'm ready to come home, wave at me, wave at me. I don't wanna miss this moment. God's calling you home. You don't have to earn it. He loves you as you are, but it takes surrendering your all. Church, we're gonna pray together. And we're gonna pray alongside all of these people giving their lives to Jesus. They're not gonna pray alone. Let's pray out loud. Say, dear God, Father, I need you. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that you died and that you rose again. So today I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my mistakes. I give you my future. I am yours, you are mine, all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, if you made that decision, I want you to know heaven is your destiny. God calls you family and while life may not get easier, it will get better. One more time, let's give it up for those that has made that decision. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.